Welcome to a new edition of the Scout with Brian podcast, the post-draft show where I give you uh, my draft grades and winners and losers and just kidding, I'm not going to actually do that because I don't believe in that at all and it's all ridiculous fluff that all the content mills that got to churn out who won and grade every single pick and uh, all these things that you shouldn't be doing really for five years at least after the draft. So uh, I'll give you some draft thoughts. I'll give you some thoughts on uh, overall what's what's happened so far, how teams are shaping up and some of the uh, news and things leading into free agency. But uh, yeah, I appreciate those of you that joined me on Hot Mike uh, last night for the draft itself. Um, if you don't know about Hot Mike, you need to download it really. There's no excuse, if, especially if you're big fan of my stuff and my podcast and you're not on hot mic that doesn't make any sense uh hot mic basically is just an app that lets you uh sync up your tv with with say my call so like i did this for 50 something games last season i'd, I'd call a, a tnt game on thursday night uh you know and you could be watching the game at home on tnt you could have the tv volume on a little bit quieter in the background but you press the sync button on hot mic uh, and next thing you know, my call is totally synced up with the live action. You can just play it louder from your smartphone speaker, or you can, uh, you know, stream it to uh, your Alexa, Echo, whatever. Um, so really, really cool app. This isn't even an ad for them. This is just literally me telling you that I promise you, if you like my stuff, you'll enjoy hearing me call games. Next season on Hot Mike, I'll try to, you know, jump on there maybe for some even the preseason if if what's on TV. Uh, Like I said, I did the draft last night on there. So if you haven't already, Hot Mike app, Hot M-I-C in the App Store or hotmic.io. Just use the code SCOUT, all caps, 100% free. Uh, We got a live chat on there during games. Happy, It's like a little watch party thing. Uh, Really cool. So definitely check that out. That's my little shameless plug uh, for the podcast. And now, anyway, let's jump right in. Uh, Anthony Edwards, number one overall pick. Now Minnesota gets to pretend he was their guy all along and they really loved him and didn't even think about nonsense. I mean, they they weren't sure the entire time. They were taking calls on that uh, until the very last second. I'm sure they liked him, you know, but uh, ultimately I, I think it's it's the guy that, you know, probably made the most sense for them. Um, you know, he's a perfectly solid player. He should be at least. He, he definitely, biggest asset is he, he's a perfect NBA body. He is a big guard, a, a well-built, strong as an ox, two guard, um, you know, that just kind of has a prototypical the uh, NBA body that should shape up to be a, a really solid NBA defender, um, you know, a scorer in transition, uh, a, an athletic slasher, uh, and a capable shooter. You know, I'm, I'm just, I have never bought uh, the comparison, some of them, to like Bradley Beal is ridiculous. He's not that kind of shooter. Um, he's not elite like that. Uh, it scares me a little bit that he doesn't have like a, you know, three level scoring ability. I think to really be a number one pick to be a, uh, you know, thinking multiple time all-star, you got to be able to do it from all three levels, which he doesn't really, um, you know, but 
I understand the pick. I, I said LaMelo wouldn't have made any sense there. Uh, he, uh, Him, Cat, and D'Lo would have made literally the worst defense in NBA history. Um, so certainly the, the two-guard position was, was a big position in need, uh, you know, to go with their young core, and they got probably the best uh, two-guard in the draft. So I, I understand it. Uh, I had advocated, honestly, I thought Wiseman made more sense there than, than people uh, gave you know him credit for um you know i think cat's major deficiency is just that he doesn't protect the rim he's not uh you know he's not a good pick and roll defender he's he's plays almost like a four defensively i think he's much better suited for guarding the the Klebers and the you know julius randalls and the you know kind of undersized stretch fours yes yeah, if you have you know the few guys in the league like a Siakam or Giannis or whatever that have tremendous wiggle at that position, he's probably not going to be able to guard all that well. Um, but I do think he's more of a four than a five, or at least he's less terrible there defensively. And uh, and Wiseman is absolutely a guy that could have covered his shortcomings uh, defensively, you know, and, and he just, to me, is a Gobert type, um, can be a Gobert type, Uh you know, legit seven seven one, uh, long as hell. Great athlete, great hands, good instincts. Um, so I, I thought he would have helped uh, the cat defensive problem. Uh, otherwise, that's kind of just always going to be there in terms of, you know, is he ever going to protect the rim? Is he ever going to toughen up around the basket, clean up the rebounds? Uh, so. We'll see about that. Jury's still out. Not going to give it a grade yet, like I said, but uh, mixed feelings about that pick. One thing I do love uh, from Minnesota is getting Ricky Rubio back in a little pick shuffling, mostly inconsequential stuff. Um, But to get Ricky Rubio back in Minnesota is an outstanding move uh, by Rosas and uh, the team there. I know Ricky Rubio obviously loved Minnesota, loved Ryan Saunders. They're really close. Um, I initially had tweeted after that he uh, is going to be the best backup point guard in the league, but then, you know, people said he, he might very well still start there. Um, you know, I, I I guess it depends how far along they think Edwards is. He, you know, I guess you could start Rubio and, and D'Lo kind of as the two offensively, Rubio you know, the, either way, he'll end up playing a similar amount of minutes to Edwards, so it's not going to make a huge difference in terms of who starts, who comes off the bench. Uh, but yeah, Ricky's Ricky's awesome in that he can, uh, you know, cover again for D'Lo's defensive shortcomings. He can definitely guard the the better, uh, you know, better guard of the two, whether it's a great point guard or, or great shooting guard. Mostly, uh, he can try to guard most of those guys. Um, you know, great, really good leader, tremendous passer, uh, you know, just, just a winning player does a lot of, a lot of different things really well that don't always show up in the stat sheet. Um, and I, yeah, I think it was a great move, whether he's starter, backup point guard, whatever it is. I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy, uh, you want around, you want in your locker room. Um, so especially on a team with, you know, D'Lo, Cat, uh, now Edwards, who, you know, at times, has had his love for basketball questioned. Uh, I think you <laughs> could always use a, a pure guy like Rubio who, who really, um, you know, has, has been in the game forever, obviously, and, and has genuine love for it and, and for Minnesota. Um, so 
I really, really like the move to to get him back there. Uh, number two, obviously, Wiseman in Golden State. First of all, uh, prayers up, obviously, for Clay Thompson. Devastating uh, news today about uh, the other Achilles going. Um, trying to see the light in that. Just, uh, you know, at least he is only 30. He still has a long, long career ahead of him. You know, if this was a guy who's... 36 37 and this was how he's ending his career i mean it would just be devastating beyond belief uh still pretty devastating but you know at, at least thankfully he's expected to make a full recovery again you know he should be good to go by the start of next season you know he'll be 31 years old um and yeah the way he shoots the ball you'd think his game is not going to be tremendously uh, devastated, you know, like some guys could be from the Achilles. Um, you know, he'll still be about as effective, you would think. Um, and I'm higher on Golden State overall than than a lot of people are, even even without him. I mean, obviously with him, I think they were a championship contender. Uh, now without him, you know, to me, project more as like a kind of four or five seed in the West. But uh, I still think they have a great chance, you know, depending on what happens in free agency. Um, you know, if they can add another piece or two uh, to be a really good team. You know, it, obviously, <laughs> uh, you and you have Steph uh, and Draymond. That's uh, that's two guys who have done a ton of, ton of winning in their career. Uh, I mentioned uh, I'm a big fan of, of Wiseman. Again, I think he's uh, Rudy Gobert with, with offense. Um, Rudy Gobert with, uh, you know, being able to make free throws consistently, able to make uh, you know, an 18, 19 footer right now, eventually I think a three. I've heard he shoots, uh, you know, shot the ball really well uh, at Memphis in practice and, and working on that trail three and all those things. Uh, he's got tremendous hands. Um, and like I said, he, he is legit uh, NBA five. Like he is the prototype, you know, of the uh, Capella, Gobert, you know, super role man, super athlete, super rim protector. Uh, but on top of that, like I said, I, I think he does have a little bit of extra offensive skill. He's got some kind of wacky things he does in the post, but he's got kind of little turnarounds and uh, interesting touch, like I said. You know, the, this flashes is something more there. Um, and again, he's just so damn big that he, he could get a few, like, just seals uh, a game maybe. And, you know, you're not going to run a ton of post-ups for him, but... Uh, he, he's got, definitely got the size to, to take advantage of mismatches and all that uh, down there. So I, I think uh, good pick for them. You know, nice thing also, it moves Draymond to not having to ever be really the undersized five, maybe a little off, uh, you know, when they go to second units. But Draymond can play mostly the four, and, uh, you know, obviously they need him to be a lot better than he was last season to, to make some shots again. Um, and, and Draymond's a worker though. I think he's gonna, um, you know, he's going to bounce back in a, in a big way knowing how he's wired. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you got Andrew Wiggins also for, for a reason, you know, people were, he, he's the, he's the whipping boy of NBA Twitter and, you know, some of it's deserved and he certainly hasn't always lived up to his potential, but, you know, he played pretty well for Golden State at the end of the season, and he also, at the start of the season, for Minnesota, I mean, he was, you know, for a while, the, the talk of the league, you know, that this guy's uh, back, that he, he kind of seemed like he had figured it out a lot more 
Um, you know, he's not going to be a superstar. He's not going to be a top 5, 10 player in the league. But, you know, he's still a guy that has potential to make an all-star team in the league. He's still a guy that can be a 20-point-a-game scorer at night. Um, you know, I, I think the Warriors' culture and Steve Kerr's obviously certainly working on getting him to understand uh, just that he can't have an off switch and, and that's what the Warriors have kind of best epitomized the, you know, all 82 games for all 48 minutes that they play hard as hell. Um, so, you know, obviously now he needs to step up. He's he's the three now, you know, uh, or whatever you consider exactly with their the way they do their lineups. But he's, he's a starter for them, barring a trade or anything. And, uh, you know, thankfully, yes, one of the best scorer shooters of all time that, you know, there's not a massive, massive load on him. Uh, he doesn't have to score 30 every night, but, you know, he's got to be consistent. He's got to give them at least 20 or so. He's got to play good defense. He's got to stay locked in. Um, and I think he can do that, you know. And I think on top of that, the Warriors – uh, you know, I know some of these guys have non-guaranteed options, whatever. I'm not sure exactly uh, what the front office is thinking in terms of who's definitely a part of the, the core. But I think they, you know, part of the benefit of being awful <laughs> last season and having all these guys shut down is they had to give massive, massive roles to guys, you know, who weren't remotely ready for them. But uh, a positive of that is that you know, those guys, I think, had their development really accelerated. Um, you know, I think they found some some valuable, at least, role players. Not not stars again, but Damian Lee impressed me. Juan Toscano-Anderson, I think, is a jack-of-all-trades, Matt Barnes type. Um, just does a lot of different things well. You know, even the former top-ten pick, Marquise Chris, kind of looked reborn for them at, at times. Uh, Eric Pascal, obviously, was a rookie, but he's got a tremendous amount of talent. Jordan Poole was a rookie, was up and down, but he's very talented. Um, you know, I, they, they've got they've got some pieces there. So obviously, you know, it's uh, a lot of those guys are probably bench players. They still need to, you know, sign another starter or two, probably, especially uh, with the Clay thing or make a trade, something like that. Uh, you know, Looney, if he's healthy, he still has uh, a lot of talent. So I, I still think overall, it's a it's a really you know, it's a good good roster. Um, and, and to be perfectly honest, I mean, I love Steph to death. And, uh, you know, like I said, one of the best, the best shooter of all time. Uh, you know, but, but if there is any criticism that I've leveled and some people have leveled is that, you know, a guy of that stature and, and just kind of, you know, the fact that he can't handle the ball and Steve Kerr knows that. It's why it doesn't happen. He can't handle the ball. 50 pick and rolls a game he can't you know guard the other team's best player he's not obviously he's not LeBron Kawhi he's not a guy that plays with that kind of force and that body um you know and so sometimes that's why I bristle at like people that call him a top 10 player ever um you know because I, I do think you have to have that transformative uh element of of kind of dominating on both ends um you know so but this will be a real test for him Right, this is he still has a a really a good roster. You take away the Splash Brother, you take away the other Hall of Fame second best shooter ever next to him. That that's going to make things a hell of a lot harder. But uh, you know, this is kind of the test in a way for Steph. Is he uh, is he really great enough to lead a team to you know fifty something wins uh, without 
without Clay, with playing just with with Draymond and uh, and Wiseman and Wiggins and you know whoever else they had. Is he good enough to still score thirty thirty five a night? You know, play like Harden has led teams obviously with with far less talent uh, than Golden State has right now. So uh, we'll see. You know, again, I think he he can do it to an extent, and that's why I'm still pretty high on them. But you know, when they do struggle, when they do run into a wall a little bit, it will partially be because of, uh, I think, kind of what we saw at the beginning of last season, which is, you know, Steph, uh, (laughs) if he spent his whole career in Charlotte, I I think people would be talking about him a lot differently. You know, he needs, uh, he needs some greatness around him. He's, again, he's not a guy like Harden or, uh, like Westbrook, or, you know, I'm not saying Westbrook's better than him or anything, but I'm just saying in terms of uh, being able to kind of carry a team just with your impact on defense, rebounding, pace, you know, so many different factors of the game, he's, he's not that. He's the best movement shooter ever. He's the best spot-up shooter ever. You know, he can score a little bit off, off the wiggle and, and get to the basket and crazy finishes and uh, high IQ and plays his ass off and, you know, always tries and is in the right spots defensively and all those things. Uh, but he's not perfect, you know. Uh, so we'll see. But praying for Clay Thompson again, I, I still not all hope is lost in Golden State, but uh, we will see. Uh, next, uh, I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but uh, Obi Toppin in New York, I, I think they got to be ecstatic uh, that he fell all the way to them. Um, very interesting player. You hear some of the, you know, the criticisms are that he's, he's older. He was very possibly, uh, you know, the most dominant player in college because of his age. Um you know that that's a little bit of a red flag for sure. Uh, my grades, which will be available to patrons, Patreon.com/slash/GetWithBrian. But I'll give you like a quick teaser. I did a score out of fifty for both now and for the future. Um, and Obi, uh, sorry, Obi, <laughs> I gave now a thirty-nine and future forty-two, and I think that thirty-nine was tied with, like, Halliburton for the most NBA-ready right now. Um, So, in other words, I think he's very well-developed. I think he'll be, uh, you know, a Rookie of the Year contender, one of the guys who's most suited to to go right away. Um, You know, but maybe there's not through-the-roof upside there. Um, But I think that's okay, you know, for New York. I think they needed a guy who, you know, in a roster that's, that's shaping up to you know, maybe get a Russ, maybe get a Max guy, you know, we'll see. Uh, something interesting seems like it's going on, or at least they hope is going on. Um, but, you know, he'll be a good fit with Tibbs. Again, Tibbs doesn't want to uh, totally rebuild again. He doesn't want to be one of the worst couple teams in the league. So knowing that, you got to be ecstatic that at eight, uh, a guy came to you who's, you know, got some Amare in him for sure. Um you know, he, he he makes some freakishly athletic plays. I think he could be in a dunk contest uh, someday. I, I said almost imagine Boris Diaw mixed with Amare Stoudemire. Uh, and then Diaw, obviously nothing like him in terms of uh, build or uh, size. But, you know, just in terms of, uh, like, floor vision, he, he sees the floor really well. He's a really good passer uh, with, with both hands. Uh, other guys I mentioned, you know, John Collins, he's got a little bit of that to them. 
on the low end, uh, you know, I, I guess his floor is kind of like I said, Mike Scott, Markeith Morris, you know, a more athletic Jared Dudley. None of those are terrible. So, again, I think that's the good thing. I think you got at least, you know, at least a starting type small ball four. Um, you know, probably come off the bench maybe to start his career. Maybe not. Um, but, you know, he, he, that's the thing. So what's interesting about him is, uh, you know, despite the Amare kind of intrigue and the, the freakish athleticism at times, you know, Amare was kind of a, a shorter five as well, but he was 245, 250. OB, I think is 6'9", like 220. Uh, so if he can't, you know, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to put on a ton more muscle, ton more to his frame. Uh, it, it's going to make it really hard for him to play the five in the NBA. Um, again, which is why I say I think he's a, a small ball four. But, uh, you know, the problem just with that is how many, you know, how many small ball fours do you know besides potentially like Zion, uh, you know, who get a ton of pick and rolls, you know, or the roll man a ton. Um, you know, when you're a six nine guy, you're not gonna be in a tremendous amount of pick and rolls as the roller, uh, catching lobs. You know, if you can't play the five defensively, which, you know, that's the other biggest red flag about him as a as a center at all. Um, watching his film, I mean, he looks like he he might be six eight. I mean, he's he looks small um, on film, and you know, he just he's not. He's not going to be good enough to be a real NBA rim protector. Um, you know, he guards pick and rolls like in space okay. Uh, he's got some shot blocking instincts. But but again, you know, I think he's a four. Uh, so, you know, if you got Mike Scott, like who, let's say, you know, he was also, he was an outstanding college player. Uh, really, you know, an older college player, a great post player. Uh, developed more in the NBA into a, into a shooter, you know, knowing the way the game's changed in terms of being like a spacing four. Uh, I've had some really good years scoring and shooting the ball. Uh, Mike Scott's fatal flaw is, though, he just doesn't really have any basketball IQ. OB does. So, if you again, if you take Mike Scott and, and give him a, some handle and uh, the ability to pass and the ability to make a few more... Uh, you know, uh, athletic freakish uh, dunks and plays in transition and lob plays and so on and so forth. Um, you know, you got something pretty solid. So, I think Nick Nick fans should definitely be happy that he, uh, you know, that he fell to them at eight. I, I think Halliburton would have been a fine pick too. You know, I think a lot of uh, whether he was the guy or not is probably dictated by you know how much belief does Tibbs have. Let's say in the, you know, you still have. Frank for now. You still have uh, Dennis Smith Jr. You still have some talented point guards, um, and you're also potentially in the mix for Russ. Uh, so, you know, maybe they know something there. Maybe they think that something's going on there uh, that would have made Halliburton a bit less valuable, and, and they took a guy at a kind of a more of a position in need who can be, um, you know, a solid, solid piece for uh, the next 10, 15 years. So, uh, Solid, perfectly solid. Again, maybe not a superstar, but at eight, I, I think you're mostly looking for for solid. Uh, Halliburton, like we said, fall into the Kings at 12, I, I think is the steal uh, of the draft. He, he's he got a lot of SGA uh, in him to me. Um, uh, some Gravis Vasquez, who was a great 
NBA kind of backup point guard, sometimes starter, a uh, little bit of Sean Livingston in his game. Uh, another guy, maybe not the highest upside in the world, but but he's he's NBA ready. I think he's a really good fit uh, with Fox because, you know, if there is any deficiency, it's definitely his shot. Uh, needs a lot of work and, and just is very, very bizarre. <laughs> it's uh, it's almost a set shot. He hardly gets off the floor. Um, doesn't shoot it very well, like, off the dribble. So, you know, in today's NBA... Uh, if you want to be like a starting point guard running 50 pick and rolls a game, you got to be able to, to, you know, to shoot it almost like Dame and, and make a tremendous amount of, uh, of shots off the dribble. Um, so maybe he's not that, you know, but, but alongside Fox, you know, you can play him some off the ball. You can play him as a secondary ball handler. You can have him guard the bigger guys. Um, but Again, I, I think he's a, a really good fit there. Uh, good job by uh, that front office. Uh, do the make the easy choice sometimes is not always easy. A lot of teams uh, passed on him, but uh, I think he's he's a big time talent. He's got a little John Morant in him in terms of just his changes of pace and feel and how he sees the floor. Uh, super high IQ. You can't teach that stuff. Um, doesn't always show up in the stat sheets, but you can just tell he, he knows how to play. He's going to be a player. Uh, studied a lot of Magic Johnson growing up, has that bigger point guard body. Uh, Kings fans should be really excited. Uh, speaking of bigger point guards, you know, I glossed over number three, LaMelo. You certainly make sure you check out all my videos of YouTube. I did uh, videos of uh, LaMelo, Wiseman, Edwards, Halliburton, Toppin, and Okungwu uh, so far. So, Love LaMelo. He was the top player on my board. Um, only interesting thing about him in Charlotte, well, besides the MJ uh, LeVar thing, is uh, if they had anything really going for them positionally, it's, uh, you know, they have Graham, who's, who's probably the best player on the team, and they did pay Rozier a lot of money, um, you know. and So I certainly think, you know, for them, they still needed best player available. They couldn't really be thinking about fit, but... Uh, you know, now you do basically have three point guards, uh, you know, at least one of them who's, both two of them really, who are really undersized, one of them who, uh, or multiple, I'm, I'm talking about ball here, but multiple of them who can't really guard the position, uh, so it's a weird fit, you know, they they probably need to figure out some of that, but uh, Lomelo, <laughs> my kind of uh, floor for him is, is Tomas Sadoransky, who's, you know, a well-paid uh, maybe starting point guard in Chicago, um, you know, we'll see, but, uh, has been a solid, solid NBA point guard, you know, elite backup at least, uh, that's the floor, uh, elements of Jamal Crawford to him, kind of in my middle, elements of Luka to him at my peak, uh, I think just unbelievably high basketball IQ, uh, I really did not want to like him, uh, I, notably don't you know uh, don't like Lonzo I've I've said he's been overhyped uh his whole career I've said he's kind of the definition of mediocre uh you know in terms of a point guard uh his dad drives me nuts um but I sat down and, and studied studied LaMelo and uh was really impressed with with what I saw um you know uh, ultimately for him it's going to come down to though between the years um so he's got all the talent. He's he's sees the game brilliantly. 
Uh, he he passes the crap out of the ball. He changes his paces really well. Um, you know, he's got his his shot can be very funky at times, and he takes takes some ridiculous ones, but he also can can make some like Steph like and Dame like. He's got to got to clean it up. Got to be more consistent. Got to cut out the the wackiest ones, but he's definitely. Uh, got a tremendous amount of talent, and it's it's gonna be like most of these guys. How straight does he have his head on? Um, you know, is he able to in Charlotte, kind of not in the biggest spotlight? Uh, still, you know, like I said, not have an off switch. Still try to be a killer every single night. Uh, deal with being probably a pretty terrible team. Uh, is his dad gonna be able to shut his mouth once in his life and not? You know, call out James Borrego if he, you know, uh, shuts down uh, or doesn't play Lamelo when he's having given poor effort and plays Rozier and Graham in the fourth quarter over him. You know, and then with his dad throwing coaches and, and teammates and crap under the bus, it it's that could be a distraction. So that's that's the biggest negative, which is unfortunate because it's not about Lamelo really. It's it's just you know his dad, but. I promise you teams at least uh, think about that. Um, I promise you it's at least a, a deterrent a little bit. Um, you know, maybe Michael Jordan, uh, again, I'm sure we'll have a, <laughs> a talk with him and make things clear and, you know, make his expectations clear. But at the same time, Magic Johnson did too. And and LeVar uh, still was, was a pain in the ass, a whole bunch there and, caused unnecessary drama and, uh, you know, uh, threw players under the bus, threw Walton under the bus, all those things. So, uh, Glavar, please stay out of the way. Uh, Lamelo, uh, please understand, um, that you are your own guy right now and don't let your dad be a distraction and, uh, do your job. Work your ass off every single day and you could be a superstar. Uh think you made it or you're entitled or you know, it's some great thing that you have 10 billion Instagram followers and you know, you're the you've been the shit your whole life and you've got Facebook uh videos and whatever the hell TV shows all those things. None of that crap matters anymore. So <laughs> again, this is why drafting so hard, right? Is uh Sometimes being picked at the top and, and being a superstar breeds complacency. Sometimes being a lower pick, being a guy that was uh, passed over, being a second-round pick, whatever, uh, breeds uh, unbelievable desire, an incredible desire to prove people wrong and catch up. Uh, so I talked about that kind of in my last episode, the scouting episode. Make sure you check that out if you haven't. Um, but, yeah, again, it's going to come down to... To his commitment level and uh, ultimately his, uh, you know, the intangible aspect is going to be big for him. Uh, Onyeka Okongwu, briefly, uh, for the Hawks. Uh, just, I don't really get the intrigue uh, with him. Um, <laughs> I've said uh, Bam Adebayo without without passing and dribbling is, is not Bam Adebayo. Uh, yes, people have pointed out, which is fair to an extent, that you know, Bam, I, I didn't really watch much of him in college, to be honest, but uh, I've heard he didn't have much of that in college. Um, so, you know, how much of Bam was was there and how much of it was was developed. So, sir, yeah, I mean, if, if Onyeka's the hardest worker in the draft, 
could he develop those things and become, you know, truly dominant? Sure. Uh, how much of a BAM was also being placed in heat culture and with a amazing, uh, uh, you know, system around him and development system and all those things. Is, is Atlanta going to be able to do that with Onyeka? Um, but again, I just, you know, how many dominant 6'9 centers are there in the NBA? Because that's what he is. He is absolutely a center. He is not He's not a four at all. He does not have ball skills. He cannot dribble. He cannot pass. Uh, really, he cannot shoot for the most part. He, maybe some touch, maybe a little bit down the line, but not right now. He's a five. He is a undersized five. So, again, you know, some people think he's better than Wiseman. Unless Wiseman's really terrible, uh, the 6'9 kid is not better than the 7'1 guy, you know, defensively. Uh, as a roller, just in the today's NBA, you know, again, neither of them are real stretches, neither of them really dribble, but in terms of who's more likely to be Gobert, uh, rim protector, roller, lobs, all those things, it's Wiseman. Um, Onyeka's not terrible, he, he plays reasonably hard, he's got, he's got okay touch with both hands, he, you know, sets some screens, he'll... Uh, he'll block some shots. He rebounds the ball pretty well. Uh, but overall, I just, you know, I saw pretty mediocre watching him. I, I mentioned, uh, you know, Thomas Bryant, Nerlens Noel, Hassan Whiteside. Like, he's okay. But I just don't think that warrants a top six pick. Um, I think he's most likely a kind of backup big in the NBA. Um, so... We'll see. Again, I, I just think if you're an undersized five-man, you, you got to be able to either really shoot or really pass or, you know, bring something else to the game offensively. Uh, instead, I think he's more likely to just be, you know, a, a small five who's who's not an amazing role man. He's not an amazing rim protector. He's, uh, he's going to be, again, significantly undersized for the NBA five position. Um, and I just don't really get the hype. Uh, but I've been wrong before. Uh, I can very well be wrong again. So, again, uh, we'll see. The biggest thing is what happens from now on, right? So everything these kids have done in college, obviously, is almost completely insignificant right now. Compared to pales in comparison to... Uh, you know, the next three to five years are going to be going from, uh, you know, seven, eight months, whatever, on campus, working on your game for an hour to a day to 360 days a year, all basketball, all day long. <laughs> so, you know, again, I, I, I always leave it open. I'm, you know, I said I think he looks like a bus to me, a high bus potential, but I'm never going to make a guarantee like that because... Uh, again, you know, he seems like a good kid. I, I have tremendous respect seeing all these guys cry on the, uh, on the draft show and, and the, you know, the heartbreak he went through and he's got a, a story. I mean, if he's able to use those things, uh, to give him the, the highest degree of motivation in the draft, then he'll be a star. So, uh, it's up to him, you know, and it's up to all these guys. And again, that's why, that's why drafting so hard. It's why, 
you know, teams are wrong so often. That's why, that's why it's such a tough job. Because, again, it's really... Uh, it's not about what you've done to this point. It's about what you do going forward. It's about how what you do when the cameras aren't on. It's about what Tyler Hero did all off season last year. Um, it's about this year, what you've done, uh, you know, in your six months off or whatever since the uh, never-ending pandemic started. Uh, but we'll see. It uh, not sold on him, but again, he's he's got got potential. So. Uh, Hayes in Detroit, not a fan. Campaign esque, uh, undersized. Don't buy that he's six five six six. Uh, I think he's a tiny little guard who shoots it, eh, dribbles it, eh, passes it, eh, doesn't do anything extraordinary. Uh, you know, if you're kind of an undersized guard, everybody wants to think you're Harden or Dame, and I see Kevin O'Connor videos where he's. Uh, saying, oh, he does some step-back moves, so look, he might be hardened. He doesn't do that crap anywhere close to the way James does. Yes, he can make an occasional step-back, he can <laughs> he can make an occasional sidestep, he can make some shots off the dribble, but so can campaign, so can a lot of guys in the NBA. <laughs> There's levels to this shit. He is far, far from, from that kind of ability, at least in my eyes. Uh, again, small... Doesn't have tremendous touch, feel, uh, athleticism, speed, any of those things, really. Um, not a not a believer. Uh, Denny Advia. Avdia, sorry. I, I, it's going to take me like a year to get that name. Avdia, is that right? Denny Advia. Uh, the great Jewish Jordan, the great white hope. Israeli hope, sorry, is what I meant to say, but also white hope. Uh... Uh, whatever. Either way, he. I'm rooting for him as a fellow tribesman. Uh, he's got the whole country of Israel behind him. Uh, I would love for him to uh, be something special, especially in my hometown, uh, Washington, D.C., the team I was with for a long time. Uh, it would be awesome if he was a, a star at the next level. Um you know, I have not studied his game as much as I should have. Uh, I, I didn't do a video on him yet because I only watched, you know, I watched the highlights. I watched a couple games, but that, that's not enough to really form an opinion, uh, a well-informed opinion. You know, j- just watching, though, and seeing some of the signs. I mean, you know, his free throw percentages were really poor, I think. Uh, that scares me, especially seeing when we had Jan Vesely. I mean, if you... You know, if you're kind of not the strongest mentally and you get in your head and you airball one or two and the crowd starts booing or whatever, I mean, those things killed Jan. And then he goes back to Europe and he's a star over there again. But the NBA is a different ball game. Um, so, you know, does like I said, it scares me a little bit that he seems, you know, his shot is, looks okay mechanically, but he's never shot it all that well, never shot it all that well from three. Um, you know, if he can fix those things, then sure. Could he be a Hito Tsurgalu type? Uh, it, you know, Chandler Parsons type maybe? Yeah, you know, he could be a really solid player. Uh, if he can't, you know, uh, the other Israeli player, obviously, that all of Israel loved, but was just, you know, a fine NBA player, Omri Caspi. Uh, you know, I know it's easy. It's probably lazy of me just because, again, that's it's the... 
white-Israeli comparison, but, uh, you know, if that's who he is, is is that a good enough ninth pick? Uh, We'll see. You know, the Wizards definitely needed a three, so I understand, especially since he was projected uh, at times to go a good deal higher than that. They're probably pretty happy. Um, You know, he can probably fit in that lineup uh, well. Um, Obviously, you know, the Wizards have a little United Nations brewing with Japan and Israel now represented, and uh, maybe Breton's back too, and, you know, um, uh, it's cool, you know, to have the entire... An entire country behind you to have a big, obviously Jewish population in, in and around the nation's capital, and he'll have a you know massive following, massive pressure on him, uh, and a massive drive. You would think to be great, um, so maybe he, you know, surpasses that. But if he doesn't shoot the lights out, I mean, uh, uh, Dario Saric, you know, had pretty good feel. Was a kind of bigger, three crafty, smart. Uh, tough, you know, but but isn't a tremendous shot maker, uh, guy that, you know, has a whole lot of athleticism to him, play above the rim, any of those things. So, uh, we'll see. I'm not convinced he's a superstar, but uh, could he be a solid starting three in the league for a long time? Absolutely. Uh, and shout out also to. Uh, the other Israeli guy who Mike Schmitz called the Israeli Patrick Beverly. That was, <laughs> that just made, uh, I mean, it made me literally my, my nipples hard or something. I don't know. Sorry, I should, probably shouldn't say that. But uh, <laughs> the Jewish Patrick Beverly, I love that. That, that just sounds unbelievable to me. I, I, I wish I could describe myself that way. Or the Israeli, sorry, I think it was the Israeli Patrick Beverly, even better. Um, yeah, <laughs> just fantastic stuff, Mike Schmitz. Uh, the Sixers, Daryl Morey. I am a notable Daryl Morey hater. Uh, he, he doesn't, uh, give you a chance to win a championship, uh, because of his rigid, ridiculous insistence on never taking a mid-range jumper, basically. Hopefully, maybe Doc Rivers, with his championship experience, is able to talk him down from that a little bit, and maybe this will finally get Daryl over the playoff hump. Uh, $12 million a year, whatever he's making, obscene. Uh, Maury Ball doesn't, again, doesn't really work in the playoffs. Too predictable, too gimmicky, yada, yada, yada. But... I do freaking love what he did for the Sixers uh, already in a very short amount of time. Uh, being able to unload the awful Al Horford contract and not only unload it, uh, but also essentially turn it into uh, Danny Green's floor spacing uh, was special uh, to swap out Josh Richardson for Seth Curry's floor spacing, special. Those are the type of players, if you're going to have, you know, Embiid clogging up the low post and Ben being an amazing playmaker but just not being able to score outside of five feet, uh, you need, at the very least, the other three players on the court to be excellent shooters. And, you know, now who knows exactly how they'll start, but, like, when I'm thinking of the finishing lineup, you know, at least two of the three will be uh, Harris, 
uh, Green and Curry. Uh, sure, th- you know Matisse might start. Um, you know Korkmaz will play. They still have Shake Milton. Uh, they got some other pieces, but that that is that is good spacing. Finally, in Philadelphia, so <laughs> it's that's it, it sounds so simple, but like what opened things up for Giannis to when he kind of looked like he was plateauing at like the end of Jason Kidd in Milwaukee, and I kind of was like, is this guy really a superstar? Mike Boonholzer comes in, they get Brooke Lopez instead of Plumley and Henson and these fives that couldn't shoot from three feet, and now Brooke Lopez stretches the defense to 30 feet, and Giannis has so much more space and he's a killer. That's the kind of offense you wanted to build around Ben Simmons in particular, his ability to create open threes by putting tremendous pressure on the defense. Uh, Embiid doing the same thing, you know, by post-ups and things of that nature. Uh, They need space around them. So, you know, Richardson was an okay shooter. He's a tough defender, but Simmons is an all-NBA type defender. Uh, Thibel is a defensive player of the year someday, in my opinion. Uh, so they have enough defense. I, I love those swi- swiping, swapping out, again, Richardson for Curry's unbelievable uh, spacing, unbelievable shooting. Uh, Green gets all his grief in the playoffs, and, you know, rightfully so. Um, <laughs> has definitely had his struggles there. But, uh, you know, he, overall, for the most part, when he's not going through his massive slumps, he's an excellent corner three shooter he's a high IQ three and D guy uh and he's a really good player so I think they should be really happy uh with him and uh yeah you you know you draft Maxi too the other thing was uh you know the other need I guess was Simmons obviously is is great with the ball in his hands He's he's a solid point guard but but you also wanted to find ways for him to not have the ball in his hands the entire game because he's uh I mean it's exhausting uh and he's always had to play unfortunately with pretty terrible backup point guards in his career uh Maxi could be the best of the bunch you know you still have Shake like I said uh so now Ben doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time he could spend some more time posting up in the dunker spot uh setting pick and rolls that's a big thing Giannis does a lot of and you saw, you know, Brett Brown try to do more, having Simmons do dribble handoffs, set the pick and rolls, uh, things of that nature, more variation in the offense. So uh, they'll find more creative ways to use him, to use Ben, and uh, and, and yeah, drafting some ball handlers, I think is was a good, really good idea. Uh, and then I forgot about even just mentioning right now, Terrence Ferguson. Uh, he's not nothing. I said uh, in getting him from the Thunder, if he does stay there. I I think he's one of the most underrated defenders in the league. Um, uh, You know, maybe, yes, he's not going to shut down James Harden. His stats aren't going to jump off the page, but but he is really solid. He's really disciplined. Uh, He's he's got a a good body, really, like, kind of like, you know, Trevor Ariza, lanky, uh, a little bit smaller, I think, but but he's able to guard the 2-3 position really well. in my opinion. So I, I think he's another guy that also substitutes, uh, get you some defense back despite losing rich, um, and so on. But, uh, yeah, I, I, am a big fan of, uh, how Daryl Morey has managed to not only, 
get rid of that horrendous, horrendous contract of Horford, uh, but also greatly upgrade the team, in my opinion, at least in terms of fit for the playoffs. Uh, they, you know, Doc, uh, Doc also had the best, uh, best Tobias Harris of, of his career was unlocked by Doc uh, with the Clippers. So maybe Doc, you know, again, knows the keys, knows the offense to how do we get Harris back to just being like a stretch four uh, handling some and some pick and rolls, get, accelerate his strengths. Brett Brown did not do a good job of that at all. Um, so really like the moves uh, that they made. Uh, what else? Uh, Precious. Precious in Miami. Love it. Uh, he's got a little Harrell in him. Uh, should be good in uh, heat culture. Uh, heard he's a, a great worker, great kid. Um, just breaking right now as we're doing this is Kelly Oubre, uh, being absorbed into Golden State, uh, makes sense for them. <laughs> um, I was around Kelly Oubre, obviously, as a young player, uh, in the league. Uh, I think NBA Twitter, I'll say, does overrate him a lot, uh, cause, you know, he's got flash, scores 20 a game a lot, he, he's got good stats, uh, what he misses is, uh, again, the, the commitment. The uh, He has the all the abilities to be an all-defensive type player. Uh, he just has never bought into that role. He's always wanted to care more about his scoring and his shots and all the stuff that uh, is not the most important thing for him being uh, the best version of himself. Uh, so, But, you know, the Warriors, it sounds like, gave up. Maybe next to nothing, kind of just absorb this contract. So that's at least what I see now. Maybe that's different uh, or, or will change. But uh, but yeah, especially with Clay going down. I mean, he's he's a solid player for sure. Uh, he, he can start at the three some. He can back up the two three. Um, you know, he can shoot. He'll make some super athletic plays. He'll, he'll play with... Uh, He'll make some freakish athleticism. Yeah, he'll, he'll play with athleticism. He'll be pretty high energy. Um, you know, he's got a eccentric personality at times that, that fans will enjoy. He's obviously got all the clothes and Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he has, again, not been totally committed to winning, winning plays, playing defense, those type of things. So very imperfect player. That's why I always said Oklahoma City, I didn't think cared all that much about him, and they turned out they didn't. Uh, Golden State probably doesn't do this unless the clay injury happens, but it does, and so it makes sense. They have cap room, they they can absorb, uh, and should be a good fit. Uh, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing jumping jacks if I'm Golden State. I would just be, again, another guy like Wiggins, who has a lot of talent but needs tremendous guidance and film work and understanding of his role and so on and so forth. Uh, Gordon Hayward opted out. That's a surprise, right? People weren't expecting that, I don't think. Uh, Frank Kaminsky's a free agent. Who cares? Uh, Nez Kanner opted in. Yeah, mostly stuff uh, otherwise that we were were expecting. Uh, So I think I got uh to most of uh most of everything at least that's out to this point um and yeah exciting draft free agency uh impending 
uh, about to happen. Uh, should be a wild uh, 24, 48 hours and so on. And then we've got the season starting in about a month. Uh, so we will be nonstop. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, again, Scout with Brian, YouTube channel, uh, podcast, obviously, uh, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, uh, Scout with B-R-Y-A-N. Uh, again, hot mic app, hot M-I-C app, code SCOUT, all caps. And then last but not least, really appreciate uh, those of you that support on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Scout with Brian. Again, uh, is the best way by far to support uh, me and to make sure Scout with Brian can keep going. Uh, you get 30 bonus videos right away. Uh, you can either do it monthly or pay up front. Uh, but you can do whatever amount you want, basically, uh, doing at least a couple dollars a month gets you access to uh, all these awesome perks. Uh, and again, uh, YouTube literally pays nothing. Uh, they have copyrights for all the basketball footage, so I don't make anything off YouTube's podcast, you know, makes very little. Um, Twitter, don't get paid for like tweets, unfortunately. Uh, so again, if you like my stuff, just I, I'm not asking for the world here. Uh, but I do think it's a fair thing to, to help me build a, a better, uh, media model. Like I said, the media today, it's, it's cowherd, it's Bayless. It's all these guys spouting nonsense for clicks. Cause that's what pays the bills right now. Clicks. I don't believe in that. I'm not going to sell out. I'm not ever going to tell you guys something I don't believe. Uh, so if you're with that mission, if you support that, uh, again, I know everybody else isn't asking for this and it's, it's, unusual and I totally get that and times are hard right now uh, but I think there's a way to do this better I think the way is again the subscriber model with a lot of people helping out with even a dollar or two a month if that's all you can do if you can do more awesome whatever you can do is much appreciated uh, but I think that's the way to, to figure it out and to to, to do this better um, and to make sure I can at least keep the lights on and you can continue to get great content bonus content DM me questions time to time, all those things I'm more than happy to do for my loyal patrons. So again, appreciate uh, you guys. Patreon.com slash Brian. Without further ado, further ado uh, let's get back uh, to the Twitters and the Woj bombs and the Shams bombs and the uh, Israeli Beverly's uh, and see all this wild stuff going on. Appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, hashtag talk soon.